This is MuggleCast, episode 18 for December 4th, 2005. This week's show is sponsored in part by GoDaddy.com. Get your own piece of the internet and save money along the way. For a limited time, GoDaddy.com is offering a new domain name, Transfer or Renewal, for just $1.99 with every new non-domain product you buy. Choose from hosting, website builders, email accounts, and much more. Plus, take an additional 10% off any order simply by entering Muggle, that's M-U-G-G-L-E, in your card at checkout. So visit GoDaddy.com and save big. Well, let's get to this week's show. Hey everyone, we're back this week again for another episode of MuggleCast. I'm Ben. Shane. I'm Andrew. <laughs> Sims. Sims. I'm Kevin. Steck. I'm Laura. <laughs> Thompson. I'm Micah. Somebody's got to do it. Tonnenbaum. <laughs> wow, oh, that was interesting. I, I had no idea we were capable of producing <laughs> yeah. such a fine <laughs> intro. <laughs> yeah. Great job, guys. Yeah, that was just wow. that was that was unintentional. It even. was okay. Well, before we go any further, Micah, take it away. Hello, hello, hello from the House of Hufflepuff. Hello, Ben Shane. Hello, Ben Shane. Hello, Andrew Sims. Hello, everyone. Hi, Eric Kyle. Okay, here we go. Hello, everyone. Swept in here with your Harry Potter news recap for you. Author J.K. Rowling has revealed in an upcoming radio interview that she intends to write another children's novel when she finishes writing the Harry Potter series. This book would be aimed at younger children, and this is one of many things she's considering writing for in the future. You can hear this interview, which will be broadcast on Saturday, December 10th on BBC Radio 4. Our favorite author has also written a foreword to a new book where she discusses her life in poverty and as a single mother in Edinburgh as she struggled to make ends meet before she was discovered, as it were, and she found new fame and fortune with her Harry Potter novels. She writes very movingly about her life as a single mom and how things were very difficult for her and her daughter in those early days. Turning to film news now, there are some high-res photos from the Entertainment Weekly photo shoot with the trio of Dan Radcliffe, Emma Watson, and Rupert Grint. You can also see a great video clip of Dan Radcliffe as he appeared on Sunrise program where he talks about the bathroom scene and the filming in the movie. It's very good and it's very funny, so be sure and check that out. Also, we learned that Lucius Malfoy has now made the Forbes fictional 15 of the 15 richest fictional characters. Draco's dad comes in at number 15 behind Santa Claus and Ebenezer Scrooge. It's a very funny article, and you should be sure to read that one. Finally, in book news, we've learned the Japanese and Finnish Hapla Prince release dates for the books. The Japanese one will be out on May 16th, and the Finnish edition of the book will be out on March 16th. So for all your news and information, please be sure to check out the website daily for all your Potter news and needs. Now... Go Hufflepuff! No, just kidding. And now I'm with the show. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. I couldn't resist. <laughs> okay. So for all your Potter news and needs, please be sure to check out the website, which is updated daily. And now I'm with the show. How's that for a proper end? But go Hufflepuff! Yay! <laughs> Can't resist. Okay. 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 I'm done. Bye. Bye. Love you. Whoa, that didn't sound quite like um, you, Micah. What's going on here? Yeah, what was that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, so let's we, see. We were invaded by Pottercast. Pro- probably Jeez. people have no idea what the joke is about that because um, nobody listens to Pottercast. Oh, Ooh. that was low. Oh. <laughs> that was a burn. 
<laughs> so, Malika, what happened there? You showed up on Pottercast last week for some reason, and then it, it, it was funny because I was listening to Pottercast and I had no idea you'd done that with them. Uh, Melissa was on the show. Uh, Melissa was on the show, and she was saying, "Oh, oh no, oh no! Uh, uh, the MuggleCast boy stole stole Sue." And I was like, "I, uh, I didn't know he stole Sue, yeah, but okay, and that's cool." <laughs> so, then you showed up. Good job. That's, yeah. that's what your well, second actually, appearance. Guys, I, have a, I appreciate it. You know, guys, I have a secret. I was in the holiday spirit, and I figured they needed the ratings boost. So oh, said, that was so nice Guys, guys, we have to be honest here. The truth is, I, ba- I had to bail Michael out of Micah out of jail last week because <laughs> he broke into the Pottercast stu- studios. He kidnapped Sue. Yeah, Mike is in trouble. This is not looking good. Uh, well, thanks, Sue, for doing the donations for us. to. Send your donations to the Micah Tannenbaum. Get him out of, get him off, get him off to such criminal charges. Okay, well, Andrew, do we have any announcements this uh, week? Oh, Ben, I'm, it's, at, it's, I'm in the dark here. It's not a new episode of MuggleCast without a few announcements. We're gonna start keeping these uh, announcement area shorter because uh, people are like, "Hey, it takes you forever to get to the con- actual Harry Potter content." Well, you know what? I don't like Harry Potter. I like talking MuggleCast announcements. So, but anyway, um, first of all, we'd. Um, we like to make an announcement that we've been getting so many emails about birthday announcements um, uh, because on one episode, I wish two people have to be birthday. And we would love to announce happy birthdays to people, but we literally, literally got over 300 birthday wishes and actually started writing them down when we got the first 20 or 30. And then I said, okay, we can't do this. So I'm sorry to everyone who's emailed. I wish all of you a happy birthday. I'm sure we all do. Oh, sorry about that, Andrew, but I'm going to do a birthday announcement now. Happy birthday to Marlise, who turned 17. She was one of the first people at the live podcast. She showed up there at 8.30 in the morning. She was there before we were, so it's probably the last birthday announcement you'll hear on the show in a long time, but I just really had to say this because she's one of our devoted fans. She showed up that early in the morning, and she was the first one to greet us. Yeah, she deserves it. Happy birthday. Um, So uh, then moving along... um, yeah, I've been getting a lot of emails lately about catching up on the challenge at Staff Stuff. We've been so busy with this podcast in between, you know, like, having a life that it's um, it's really hard to uh, keep up with all your challenge entries. We appreciate them all. And I have been looking at them all, and I will turn uh, the Halloween ones into a gallery. <laughs> I still haven't gotten that done. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm telling you guys, every week it seems like the show just keeps getting closer and closer. We we just I finish editing, and then the next day we're recording yeah, another practically. one. <laughs> and it, it, it's it's great fun, it's but true, it just yeah. it just these weeks keep speeding I up. Know. Um, and then yeah. finally, as promised, we finally have our demographic information. We actually got some cool stats. I'm really happy how these turned out. Um, let's just run a few, a couple, real quick. These are the people who filled out the listener survey. And um, told us a little info about ourselves. Thank you. You, you can still do that, by the way. Yeah. You can still fill out the listener survey yep. if you yep. wish. Um, so, okay, guys, get this. S- uh, genders, 74% female, 26% male. Wow. I a am totally shocked. Absolutely yeah. astounded by well, that. I, I, I sent sarcasm <laughs> there. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's pretty interesting. I sort of pictured that, too. I mean, that was basically the same percentile at a Live in New York City podcast. Um, oh, and also, some of you who t- took the survey did listener satisfaction. Oh, yeah, we got and some you great gave grades. A, like, o- overall, 
Overall, our podcast is rated eight eight point eight seven out of ten, which is pretty remarkable. So we're pretty close to nine out of ten. Our highest rating was for, I believe, it was for the hosts. We got nine point oh. Oh, excuse me. Overall quality was nine point one two, but for the hosts, we got a nine point zero nine rating. So and the lowest. Good job, the guys. Lowest, ironically, was website devi- design an eight point eight five. But um, <laughs> hey, guys, it's cool. We're, we're working because on that. We're, we're working ironically. on something that's going to fix that. I'll leave it at that. Okay, and then uh, another thing that we found uh, interesting, number of times listening to each podcast, 73% of you listen to it one time, but 20% of you listen to it two times, 3% of you listen to it three times, and 4% of you listen to it more than three times. That's devotion. That's pretty remarkable. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Oh, and also, and also. That's pretty crazy. The most. Most of you listen to the entire episode of the show. 88% of our listeners listen to the entire episode. 10% listen to 75%, and 1% listen to at least half of it. So this is really remarkable, considering that it's it's an hour long, and most of you are able to sit through what some people would consider a bore fest. Yeah, we, we, we yeah. love getting these stats, so if you guys could continue filling out the survey, that'd be great. A total of 4,060 people filled it out, which is a good response. I'm feeling it. So I'm, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that you guys feel the same way that you like hearing information about well who else is listening to the show that type of stuff. Yeah, I think so. Oh, and then the age range: fifty-one percent of you were under eighteen, thirty-one percent of you were in the between the ages of eighteen and twenty-four, thirteen percent of you were in the ages between twenty-five and thirty-four, four percent of you were in the ages between thirty-five and forty-four. And 1% of you were in the ages between 45 and 54, which makes me wonder, um, what about the people older than 54? Because I know we have a couple listeners older than 54. I guess they just didn't fill it out. Yeah. Okay. Well, Well, that was fun. Any other announcements that we have? Um, Yeah, Kevin, you have a little announcement? Um, yes, it's actually regarding the book reviews we promised to be doing. Um, Laura and I will Woo! be reading a book by next episode, yes, um, by popular, mm-hmm. popular Demand, His Dark Materials, The Golden Yay. Compass. I'm really excited. And Philip Pullman. who is that by, Laura? Philip Pullman. So if you want to pick brilliant, it up and uh, brilliant get a head start on us. Okay. Well, we shall see. I, have, I mm-hmm. haven't read any of his work, so... <laughs> I've heard okay. of that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, next episode we will have the review. Oh, and also, Micah, are you here? Micah? I'm here. I'm still okay, here. M- Micah, don't you have an update about the transcription position, too, before we move on? Yeah, it's uh, it's been filled. Has um, it? I'd say about 100... F- it has. <laughs> 150 people or so sent in applications, so thanks to everyone who sent in. But Ali Full is our new transcription assistant, I guess is the best way to put it. Excellent. And uh, she's going to be okay. working on it. She actually worked on episode 17 and did a good portion of it. So right. um, Maybe we'll get her on the show, too. She's doing a good job. Awesome. Yeah. yeah I actually yeah. I have some very interesting things here. I'm just going to share real quick. There were two things that were really funny that came out um, when I got some emails for this position. And, you know, because in the um, posting, I said that you should be able to distinguish between people's voices. That's obviously something that's mm-hmm. important. And a lot of people email me back and they said, yeah, you know, I'm really good at distinguishing between people's voices. And and they were being very serious when they said this. 
particularly Laura and Jamie's. <laughs> <laughs> Laura and Jamie's. Hmm. I wonder why. Girl American I have versus no clue. boy British. <laughs> Oh, speaking of Jamie, by the way, people, everyone is wondering where Jamie is, and he will be back from December. He dropped December off the face of the earth through about mid-January, well, so we'll be able to have Jamie back on the he, show. Yeah, he said we're not, not to promise. Any guarantees? He's trying his but, best. Um, we know you all want him on. We keep getting the emails. Frankly, I'm a bit annoyed by them of all the emails that we get asking for him back. <laughs> um, so you should be asking <laughs> for more cash. <laughs> You know? <laughs> Actually, we get emails asking for you to go away. <laughs> oh, thanks uh, a lot. Yeah. No, but I'll cut that. Yeah, our bud Jamie will be back. He misses doing the show, and he really does. College yeah. keeps him busy. Hmm. Okay, well, I think it's time to get down to the nitty gritty about old Molly Weasley, right, guys? Right. Oh, I like, I like your reaction. <laughs> show me some real enthusiasm. Jeez. <laughs> Okay, so Lay it on us. what do we know about Molly? Um, a couple okay, of facts we know about Molly Weasley. She is a pure blood. She has several children, Bill, Charlie, Percy, Fred, George, Ron, and of course, Ginny, <laughs> I mean, as we Ginny. like to call her around Ginny the Wizzy. Uh, group here. <laughs> yeah, Ginny Weasley, Ginny whatever. Uh, Ginny. They got the, the Weasley family is the pet owl, or the family owl, Errol. Um, she was she did attend Hogwarts. Her first year was in 1961, and her house was Gryffindor. No surprise of there. Of course. Uh, the Bogger, uh, her, oh, how do you pronounce it? Bogart. Bogart, I think. Bogart. Bogart. Her Bogart. Her Bogart. Um, is her family all dead? We we always hear about how she fears that the most. Her skills. Well, actually, what's what's really ironic about about when when you see her boggart, the one person who isn't there is Ginny. Isn't that weird? Oh, uh, yeah. Ginny hmm. doesn't show up. Yeah, but yeah. Wasn't it was it still, still, wasn't yeah, it was still, still switching. I know, yeah. but Harry was dead before Ginny, and I don't know. Hmm. Let's see. Here. We'll get to that. So, of course, moments. those facts are yeah. brought to you by the HPLexicon.org. <laughs> <laughs> uh, excuse me, that's HP-Lexicon.org. Yeah. And also, um, Molly Weasley was particularly impressed by Gildroy Rock, Gildroy Lockhart. <laughs> Say that five times <laughs> fast. Um, yeah, and she's a big Gildroy, Gildroy fan. I'll never say that word again. But well, she, I don't think uh, she yeah. is anymore. But yeah, <laughs> but and Molly's also a member of the Order of the Phoenix. And I think that's basically all the information that we that's pertinent about Molly. She has red hair, in case you didn't know. Really? Oh, and her birthday <laughs> is October 30th. So so here's the typical uh, riddle question. Uh, what would her patroness be? Her patroness. <laughs> what? So here's the typical question. <laughs> what would her patroness be? Hmm. I really don't know. That, that is a really good question, that, though. That's yeah. a good question. Um, I don't think we have enough information about her to really formulate. It would you know, be something motherly. Something motherly, be. definitely. It would be. Yeah, it'd be, yeah. A, it'd be a koala bear. Or a a koala bear? Koala bear. <laughs> koala bears are mean. Yeah, koala bear. you... well, what, what about a kangaroo, though? A kangaroo carries <laughs> around <laughs> just the babies in the pouch. How about just a bear? A bear? <laughs> bears are mean. Oh, that could... 
possibly. How about a, bear? a fluffy that's pink bunny. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Mr. Think, uh, Weasley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. No, well. Mr. Weasley's definitely a rubber duck. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> a rubber Dude, duck. You guys want to go to the voicemails now? I'll say that. No, um, we I think we have discussion. more questions. Whoa. There's more questions. Yes. Well, what is there? To, what is there to talk about, Molly? No, Weasley? there are more questions that we had sent in, weren't there? Yeah, there, there are more. There are. Oh, yeah, they were sent just to. Oh, here, let me yes. Sorry. Yes. Which side are the Weasleys on? Uh, that's staring you right in the face. It's pretty obvious that Molly Weasley is a member of the Order of the Phoenix. She's Dumbledore's woman through and through. That's that's what I think. For sure. Uh, what? Now, now this is a good question. What is her specific job within the Order? Mm-hmm. That that is a really good question. Keeping the house clean, seriously. Definitely. Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe we underestimate her real her position. Maybe we think, well, she couldn't help out that much. But well, I don't know. I think she, she does a lot sort of, of a uh, manning the headquarters, wizard. which and such. Yeah. Yeah, the, she's yeah, like a protector. Basically. Especially for I know that a lot of people comment on on her as a protector mm-hmm. of Harry. Because she she is always there for Harry, and she's the one who actually allows him to stay yeah. at the house, you know. It seems like it's her authority to let him stay and not Arthur's, you know. Right. I'm sure they discuss it, but it seems like she's the runner of the yeah, house, isn't it? definitely. Yeah, what she says goes. Yeah, I look forward to seeing uh, her reaction to uh, finding out the truth about Snape. Yeah, me too. And hearing hearing her talk to Harry for the first time. Hopefully she'll she'll make a good appearance in HP Sev. But do you think she's going to play no, a major role? No, just a side role, like yeah. one of the bystander roles. Wait, wasn't she there? Wasn't she there? Where? After it all happened? Oh, at in the funeral the, uh, hospital oh. wing. Oh, yeah, she she was she was there in the hospital, but we didn't really. Yeah, I mean she was, you know, upset, okay. but. Uh... No one's really... We haven't really seen too many of the characters' reactions to it, really. There's been no discussion between Harry and a lot of the other characters concerning Snape's betrayal. Or, you know, that is a topic of much debate, but... Oh, yeah. We should we should do a show about that, by the way. <laughs> have, have you guys done Snape yet? Mm, no. 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 No, next, we haven't. Okay, we next discussed week's him Snape. a lot in... Uh, next week's Snape. Okay. I'm saying that now. Snape it is. Okay. Well, now that we've sort of hashed out who Molly Weasley is, what her role is in the series, let's see what questions you guys had. Yo, dudes, this is Izzy from Oz, and I would like to know, in the first book, Sorcerer's Stone, there was a woman in Diagon Alley who Harry hears outside the apothecary. She's all like, 17 sickles an ounce, they're mad, raving about something on sale there. Now, not only is this strange, because seventeen sickles are a galleon, but I believe this person is described like Molly Weasley, only Harry doesn't know her yet. I think that the reason whoever said this, seventeen sickles, was because it sounds like a lot more money than a galleon, and if you can't afford a galleon, then that's pretty bad. Also, how do you think the Weasleys can afford all their stuff? Do they, they, I mean, they have things like the flying car, and their house really isn't that bad. How much do you think Arthur's job pays? And is Molly Weasley really unemployed? Thanks. I really don't think it was her, just because it didn't sound like 
her talking from what I remember of the quote. <laughs> it just it just didn't sound like Molly. I think she said something like seventeen sickles for however much of whatever it is she was buying and she was like she right, was like they're but, mad but, or something like that. And it just didn't sound like Right, but the thing is, is that the context that we've seen Miss Weasley in in the books has been when she's around Harry, when she's trying to act like a mother. Mm-hmm. That's and even true. Though she, yeah. she may be acting, she may have seen, like, the real Molly Weasley come out. I mean, the, not the non-motherly type, the one who's just personally frustrated because, you know, she says that's insane because they don't have that much Yeah, money. but again, so they've be. always been kind of... I wouldn't say secret, but they don't discuss their financial situation in public. Yeah, but they do always say, you know, I don't know if it's just the movies or if it's in the books too, but she always seems like she will always get by no matter what the financial situation is, like when they have to go to Diagon Alley. Really, the only person that I've heard that I remember talking about the Weasley's financial situation is Ron, and it's always when he's complaining, like, I hate being poor. Yep. I don't really... Well, no, actually, actually, if you look to what Miss Weasley has said before, how we had to get your robes handy-down. But that's... She mentions... Yeah, she mentions it in passing, but she never really, you know, comes out and says, we're poor. I just well, couldn't I think, really I think, I think see her. St- they don't have I don't very know. Much. I just couldn't see her standing there, talking about anything that would allude to. I don't see her being aggressive at all towards anyone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean about yeah. money. So well, well, to yeah, be honest, well, I don't think it was her. Well, what what about the rest of the question though? Well, is she unemployed? What well, do you guys think? I think so. I would I would say she's a housewife. Yeah. And didn't um didn't Joe say on her site somewhere that she uh taught the kids before they went to Hogwarts. I seem to remember that she was yes. teaching th- her yes. children, so... Well, that's almost like a housewife kind of Yeah, I mean... Job. But when you're, you know, when you're homeschooling your kids, you don't really have time for a job, so I doubt that she is employed. And also... Laura knows all about it. Yeah, and also, I think that the Weasleys... Yes, Laura does. <laughs> the, the Weasleys... The Weasleys would have a lot more money, say, if they only had two kids, rather than having as many as they do. Because... Arthur, he works for the ministry, and it's like, like a government position, and yep. you think that that would pay for Yeah, but he works, and the he works is, in the muggle department. Older kids, and support, we know how Fudge and, feels about muggles. Yeah, see, I see what you're saying, but, yeah, but at the same I, I, time... Yeah. I could to- No, I could seriously it, see Cornelius Fudge jacking Arthur's pay because A, he's not a fan of muggles, and B, he knows that Arthur loves muggles. So I could totally see him giving him a raw deal. I really could. But we don't know if it's Fudge who decides the salaries. I'm, I'm sure, sure he panel, has input. You know, you know, you know, okay, but it's not like the president, it's not, the president of the United States doesn't decide how much money the members of his cabinet make. No. You see, those those are set by a sort of parliament, maybe the Wisengamot or whatever, but I'm just saying... That even just because yes, he doesn't like muggles. Yes, but he has like influences on muggles. those well, who determine who yeah. set that pay. Yeah, but at the same time, I I don't think that even if he did make a decent salary, that he would still be in any better. I think they'd still be. They'd still be pretty tight. They have so many children that exactly. And there's so many expenses that it, they just have to be able to. 
find a way to pay for everything. And look, look at their house. It's <laughs> has, been, has to be magically expanded. It wouldn't hold together if it was a normal house like the houses we live in. So. Yep. And, I mean, all the stuff that that the Weasleys have, if you notice, have been has been repaired. Mm-hmm. You know, like the car that uh, Mr. Weasley has has been fixed up by him and modified. So, right. I mean, you can go to any junkyard and get a car that won't drive, but you can fix it up. So I don't think that determines their money, but you know, how much they're making. Getting back to Molly Weasley's professional profession, I just think that she hasn't had the time to invest into anything. Because don't you think they would want more money? So yeah. Molly's wanted to, you know, but she's been held up with the kids and then now Judy the order. Out, but then now yeah, she's right. got the order. Right. So there's been no time. Right. You know, and then when you think about it, you know, Aunt Petunia, Malfoy's mother, they we haven't really heard of jobs from them either. Um like what other women are there that Joe JK Rowling has described jobs from them? Um I mean Malfoy Right, but in the end, but, it, but in the end what we need to realize with this is that the Weasleys are a family that it's more than money that matters. Exactly. Yep. So when it comes yeah. down to it, it doesn't really matter how much money they're making. And it's sort of the model family that you that everyone wants to and, be a part of. And I sometimes I, – I recall J.K. Rowling saying something about that. Um, she, she was trying – I believe in an interview she said that she was trying to portray that type of character where material things really don't matter. Yeah. Yeah, but the entire family really isn't materialistic no. at all. Uh, okay, so, that's a sweet. Uh, Izzy, I Izzy, I hope that I hope, Izzy, I hope that is your question. Um, next, next, next voicemail. Hey guys, this is Mark from New York. Great job this show. I was just wondering what you guys thought got Molly Weasley and I guess Arthur too into the Order of the Phoenix. I mean, I know they say at one point that they're blood traders because they are pure blood and are on Dumbledore's side, but that doesn't just mean you're in the Order. What got them into it? Well, this is what I think. Um, Dumbledore constructed the order himself, meaning he he put people in that position. And what better people to put in the position than the people that he knew and taught? You know, he I'm sure he had an impression of who the Weasleys were before he brought them into the order, and I believe that he selected from the talented um, witches and wizards that were in his opinion good people and that, i believe Kevin, that's how th- th- that's yeah. definitely true too but, but another thing would be is that he may have you know sort of may have been an open invitation they've known dumbledore for quite a long time and they wanted to help out because you're either with Voldemort or you're against him it's not yeah. it's not the situation where it's well, well I, I'm sort of lukewarm about him, and it's either it's hot or cold, you know. And he, they decided to join the Order because they felt it was the right thing well, to do. Well, also, there are a couple of points. Um, they weren't in the Order the first time. We don't really know why yet. Um, also, I think a big reason, especially for Molly to join the Order, is that her brothers were killed in the First War. That's true. And she prob- she wants also, to avenge them. Also, Mr. Weasley works at the yes. Department of Ministries. So that's also a strategic position for the Order. So, Well, also Harry, too. I mean, perhaps Dumbledore thought to give them some sort of, uh, I guess, even protection. Maybe he felt that they were susceptible and they to are. an attack and putting them in, 
yeah, putting them in the order was a way to kind of protect them and keep them safe. Yep. Definitely agreed. Arthur's thanks for Arthur's definitely the well, inside source for everything. He is, yeah. He's that guy who sits in the corner and watches what's going on. Yeah. And gets attacked he's, by he's snakes kind of while he's doing it. Yes. Who who thinks that the the person the head of the Muggle art misuse of Muggle artifacts office is going to be spying on you? You know, everyone probably thinks he's a lamer, <laughs> and yeah. it turns out that he's a double agent. You know, yeah. that's how yeah. that's how it works. Yeah. Dude, he works with toasters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks thanks for your question, Mark. But we got to move on. Hi guys, uh, this is Natalie from Stoke on Trent in the UK, and I'd just like to say first of all that I absolutely love the show. My question is, do you think that Mrs. Weasley was slightly overprotective of Harry in Order of the Phoenix? I mean, at the end of the day, he's not her son, and while she rightly feels very protective of him, she should really accept that she can't really boss him around like she does with her sons. And also, did you find her comment to Sirius about not being able to look out for Harry uncharacteristic? Thank you, and keep up the great work. Absolutely not. I just feel that she realized that Sirius was sort of overstepping his bounds to an extent where he was starting to treat Harry more like more like a brother a brotherly type rather than being his godfather and Mrs. Weasley, Mrs. Weasley recognized this and basically tried to put a stop to it before it went too far and before they were running out all night um, in, in their animagi with Sirius in his animagus form and <laughs> so I, I really think that she wasn't being overprotective that it was to the extent where she realizes Harry's a teenager she realizes that he's not that he's not a, a, a grown adult but at the same time I do understand that Harry has been through a lot and he deserved to know what was going on but in terms of Sirius I don't really don't think it was too overprotective I, I also think that um one of the reasons why Mrs. Weasley is so protective is that Dumbledore allows Harry to go there. And he does that under the condition that he will be looked after and cared for. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's entirely her responsibility. Maybe she's, not her, maybe she's not Harry's mother, but in this case, she's acting as She's the closest she's the guardian thing he of has Harry. to a mother. Exactly, and I mean, just imagine if something happened to Harry under Mrs. Weasley's nose. Also, you know, um, I really think that at, there are points where I do feel she's overprotective of Harry, especially when he was asking what was going on with Voldemort. I think Harry had every right to know. Um, however, that does make a lot of sense what you said, Kevin, with her feeling that he he is her responsibility in a lot of ways. And it is understandable that she is overprotective at points. But I don't think that Sirius was totally incompetent. Yeah, but, I mean, I agree with Ben. Like, based on Sirius's previous activity, it shows that he's kind of an irrational He thinker. definitely is. And Oh, yeah, definitely. But I don't think that and he was... Totally inept. Yeah, but Molly is already mm -hmm. a mother. I mean, she has all these children, so I think it's. And I think. Basically, sorry. all of what you guys are saying, it was a natural. No, no, it's alright. It was a natural kind of reaction to feel the way she does for Harry. I think. And I don't think that she meant it as. as almost a serious comment. She meant it as a threat kind of thing. It was. I think she intended it to be a wake up call to him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I also think there's From what she was a little observing. bit of rivalry going on there. I mean, here she'd been sort of 
Harry's mother figure since he was eleven, and then all of a sudden Sirius comes along, and I think she feels like he took it away from her, in a way. So there could be a little bit of that going on. Okay, well, I think we've pretty much discussed Molly Weasley. For those of you who want to hear about other stuff, well, this is this part of the show's for you. Okay, Kevin, roll the, the first non-Molly Weasley voicemail. <laughs> hey, MuggleCast, it's Meredith, and I had a question about what you thought about Chris Columbus. He said that he wouldn't mind coming back to direct, like, the sixth or the seventh movie, so I was wondering if you think that would be good for the Harry Potter movies. Um, especially after a movie, he just finished Rent, and from what I gathered, like, I thought the movie was amazing, but from other kids at my school, it seemed to be one of the movies that you either absolutely loved or absolutely hated. So, I was just curious, so thanks for your time, and, uh, day and peace out. Well, thanks, Meredith, for your question. Chris Columbus, I thought he did a, a really good job with the first two movies, because we talked about this in past shows, where he had basically had to set the foundation for the entire series, and he had to include as much as possible, because we see that the books start to balloon out, and things start getting cut, and the first two movies are probably the most true to the book, the most true to the characters, and even though some people don't think they're very good movies, because the trio is still basically coming into their own, learning better acting skills and things of that sort, I think if he, if he was going to come back for movies six and seven he would see what the other act what the other directors have done with the series compare it to what he did and make and then make the adjustments based off that and perhaps make a better movie something that no one would, would actually expect from him well i think that he would be an excellent director for the seventh movie and the reason being is that um as you said before the harry potter movies have moved off from a lot of content base and move to being an artistic movie where it doesn't necessarily follow the plot of Harry Potter to the T like the original two movies. And I think that what better director to finish up the series than someone who's going to wrap up all of the the loose ends that have been formed by the other directors. Although it may not be as good of a movie for those who are just coming into the series it's going to be the final closure for those who are fans of the series yeah um okay I don't think he should come back to direct any more of the films sorry to anyone who's felt that way because look you compare the first two movies to uh, movies three and four and there's such a difference in the way that it was presented um I think that Chris would want to turn it back into the way he had them because that's that's the way that he does his films and that's the way he does his Harry Potter films. He's done two, so I, we could say that. I mean, if we brought him back, I just think it would be taking a step back. I agree. I don't know I about agree. that. I, 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 I let me hear let me hear I your defense, Melissa. I mean, I'm Melissa. Oh, now oh, now I'm Laura. Melissa. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, the reason that I wouldn't want to see Chris Columbus come back is because he tends to direct much lighter films, and I don't yeah. I don't think that movies six and seven need to be light. I really feel. What about like I said? It's... Hold on a second. What about David? What about David Yates? David Yates never even he's never even Hey, I'm a movie. I'm he's apprehensive about that. Made for TV I'm stuff. apprehensive yeah, about that. Yeah, we were confident yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh. My, my flawed assumption. Sorry about that. <laughs> I, will, 
I mean, you don't know what to, to expect, and once they start filming in February, then we're going to start. We'll, we'll, we'll see pictures, yeah, and we'll see where they're filming. Honestly, this is just me, but I've never found Chris Columbus to be terribly creative. That's just my perception. I'm not saying that everyone well, should feel like that, but... I mean... Well, in the first yeah, two films, look what he was given to work yeah, with. Yeah, he wasn't there given wasn't too much to be creative with. No, he with. wasn't exactly. given good material to work with, per se. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to give him credit for starting the whole thing out, as we I mentioned do, on I the do. previous show. But what I'm afraid of is that the director that they're going to choose for Seven is going to be a director much like Alfonso, who focuses more on the artisticness of well, the movie. I think and Alfonso leave the story so that people are like, "This is very disappointing." I think that Alfonso focused happened. more you, on the you're, tone. You're, you're one of the three people that thought. I that. think he focused way more on the tone of the story, really, and in a lot of respects, I think that focusing on the tone and being true to that is a lot more important than getting every detail from the story. Yeah, but at the same time, if you leave out too much, you're, I agree. you're letting the people Definitely. who have followed you but through the... No, I got an email from someone from Universal Studios this week, and they told me that they, they've been listening to the podcast quite a bit, and they said, from a movie-making perspective, that it's not really, when you're taking a book to a movie, it's not really your job to basically con include every detail. It's your job to convey the idea which I agree that the directors all to this point have conveyed the idea of the movie, what the movie's supposed to be about. The first movie, all the movies sort of contain the, the same central theme, but, you know, just different twists on it, things of that sort. And I think that throughout the entire series so far of movies, all four of them have done a very good job. Each director has put their own little twist on it and put their own little, basically made it their own world, and it's they've done good jobs. I don't see what problems you guys have with it until you get down to the it down and start overanalyzing it, and I know yeah. there's no such thing as overanalyzing, <laughs> but I, I think on. I'm I think I'm just a typical Harry Potter fan who fears that the series will be destroyed by some crazy direction. And I think <laughs> I know? think right, the movies right, are intended for the fans, really. And I think that they expect that you are walking into the theater knowing the story. I think that's the reason behind so many of that's not that, that, true. Well, they would not. They well, would, that's what Warner Brothers wouldn't make a movie if that was the case. I, I know they make movies. It's meant to satisfy the fans and it's meant to satisfy the average mm -hmm. person. If the, if the average person on the street wants to go out and see a Harry Potter movie or see a movie that's plain, yeah, but they're depending on the fact that there are so many the Harry Potter fans. Speaking of which, guys, um, there was actually an article in my school newspaper regarding Goblet of Fire, and the last, the last paragraph did pretty well to sum it up, um, and I, I quote, who is this, I quote Ted Blake, um, though the movie is still oh, a must-see for fans of, yes, <laughs> though the movie is still a must-see for fans of Harry Potter book series, muggles unfamiliar with Hogwarts, House Elves, or Hermione, should bring along a rolling fan to talk them through the plot hole. Yeah, yeah. You, you would go into it confused. Oh, I exactly. took someone who is a complete Harry Potter virgin, apart from the fact that she's seen the first three films. She's never picked up any of the books in her life, and she was so confused by Goblet of Fire. She walked out, and, and she and was just like, what did we just see? 
And I remember my friend, I took a friend to see Prisoner of Azkaban, and it was the same thing. He didn't mm-hmm. like the film, because he was like, uh, okay. He flew off in a broom, and they- crashed into the screen, <laughs> and that's all I can remember. And that co- that that is very similar to what Laura is saying, with it's for the fans. You know, the movies up until now have been very fan-based, where the a person who hasn't read the series ends up being confused by the movie. I don't think WB thinks about the fans first. I think they think about making it appeal to as many people as possible. Yeah, but, I mean, think of the how many millions read exactly. the books. I mean, you can't ignore the fans, no, but, no, especially but here's in the Harry thing. Potter. You put the word Harry Potter in the front of a title of a film, and every fan is going to go and see it. The, Warner Brothers automatically knows that. But then you also want to get... The people who haven't, aren't the fans, going to see the movie. So they're trying to appeal to them first because they know these fans are going to go well, see why, it's Harry Potter. I mean, come on, look look at the promotional pictures. Look at how they make the characters look. They're trying to appeal to people who are not fans by making them look, I guess you could say, uh, prettier, better looking cool. than they really and are started in that. the books. Mighty. For example, Emma, Emma Watson isn't isn't what Hermione no, really looks yeah, like no. because she's and hot. Pers- I get so annoyed with that Emma because Watson. in all of the promotional ads, she looks like a model, and yeah. Hermione's not a model. But because see, you know what? Perfect example, Ben Shane. Yeah, Guess they're trying to get seen the movie. They're trying to get three times. They're getting okay. the Ben Shanes of the world to go. Wow, that girl's hot. I'm gonna go see this movie now. Yeah, that's what they're doing. Exactly. <laughs> At least you admit it. <laughs> you you went to see the film eighty three times, right? Well, not only that, I have about every Emma Watson picture ever in creation on my download on my hard drive. <laughs> and I, I'm not a creepy stalker person. <laughs> yeah, right. On, right, Ben. No, but I just think Warner Brothers is trying to appeal to the mass audience before they appeal to the fans because. But but have they accomplished that yet? Uh. I think the mm, I don't know. Well, until I think the reviews are pretty good, and most of the critics aren't diehard Harry Potter fans, so I don't know. And then they also consider money and time. It's you know, yeah. Well, in the end, at least I think that he would be a good director for the seventh movie, but um, it may not be the best movie. Just that it would I I trust him to include all the information. Do you, so you want to see him come for full circle from the first to the last movie? Right, right. It would be nice. Because, I mean, that's what a lot of people credit Chris Columbus for, keeping the movies real to the books. So yeah. if people want to put that trust in him, then again, book seven could be 2,000 pages, and then they're going to have to cut some stuff. The movie that I'm really worried about <laughs> is movie six because the director's gonna have a hard time jumping back and forth into the Horcrux scenes, into the pensive. You know, it's that's the movie that's good. I think I think would be the hardest to direct to this point. Yeah, just the whole scene yeah. where Dumbledore dies. It's gonna be really hard not to make it seem cheesy, like him flying off the tower. Well, I agree. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> well, well, I think that'll get cut. <laughs> no, you're keeping that. No, you're not. Um, well. Well, they didn't. They didn't make the. They didn't make the Cedric scene look. No, they did a good so. job with yeah, that. that. They did a good job with that's that. That's what I was. I was going. That's what I was going to say. But I'm not a man yet. So Be- before you, <laughs> before you squeaked. I'm a man. Yeah. 
<laughs> Thanks. I'm a real man. <laughs> Thanks, Meredith. That question really sparked a pretty lively discussion. I love there. talking about the movies. But yes. there are other questions, other questions, other voicemails. Roll the next clip, Kevin. Hi, my name is Eric Peterson, and I listen to your show religiously. I have two questions for you. In the first year, why do you think Malfoy tried to befriend Harry? His family would have hated him because he brought the downfall of Lord Voldemort. Do you think that this was an early plan to assassinate Harry? Thanks, and I love your show. Analysis. Don't steal my well, if, if we go by the movie standard, um, uh, Malfoy gave Harry the chance to come on to the dark side. And that would have been a whole different ballgame, I think, because I think Malfoy could have easily persuaded Harry to turn into a uh, dark side I don't lover. agree. Death yeah. I don't agree. Yeah, 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 he would. No, know. Harry's a much stronger character than that. Yeah, because of his friends. If he wasn't friends with Ron and No, uh, no, Hermione. but see, we had this discussion during the Draco cast. He didn't like Draco when he originally met him at Madame Malkin's. Yep, that's true. But But at the same time, I think that he was trying to befriend Harry knowing what Harry is. I, I think he was being more manipulative yeah. than... And right, and, this, and, and by, the exactly. same, by the same idea, by the same token, you look at the fact that, um, that Voldemort tried to convince Harry, we can bring back your mother Ex- and yep, all that. Exactly. And it's just because the reason they're doing that is because they know that Voldemort knows that this kid is the chosen one yeah. to an extent, and that basically we need this kid on our side or it's going to end up he could eventually be my downfall. Yeah, and, and as for Malfoy's family hating Harry, not a chance. If Harry had joined Malfoy, I think they would have opened Harry yeah. with open arms. Yeah, they would have been all over. Because they knew yeah. the importance of it. So. But there's no guarantee at that time that Voldemort's going to come back. Exactly. So why not get the exactly. next thing on Although, do you right. think Draco's dad told Draco... To try to become friends with Harry, so it wouldn't surprise me. It would not surprise me in the slightest. If he at least said try to get close to Harry Potter, it wouldn't surprise me at all. That's yep. the type of thing Lucius yeah. would try to do. But I don't know. I think he would have tried more than just the one scene where it's, you know. Yeah, but like Draco's movie, lazy. Says, we know that. And he and he and he takes offense he... to people who don't agree with him automatically and don't follow him, you know? Yeah, well, because he learned it all from his Exactly. Dad. His arrogance definitely gets the right, best of when him. It come, when it comes to his father, he's sort of... His father sort of has a lot of control over him, so if his father told him to do this, I think he would. So I'm not really convinced that Draco's dad said, go befriend the Potter boy or else, because he may, maybe, maybe it sort of happened in passing or Draco realized the importance of himself, but besides that, I don't really see how it relates to his dad. Thanks, Eric. Um, yes, thank you. Next voicemail. Hi, my name is Michael Panzika, and I'm from Rochester, New York. And before I ask my question, I just wanted to say that I personally thought that the yeah, yeah thing at the live podcast in New York City at the premiere was really, really funny. So stop making fun of them, guys. And anyways, my question is, is that after watching Goblet of Fire, I personally thought that they didn't really show Cho and Cedric's relationship that well. Because in the fifth book, we all know that Harry tries to date and there's a big conflict between them and him bringing up Cedric. So I wanted to know what your guys' personal thoughts was on that and if you thought they showed a good enough job of those two. Thanks. 
point was the point of this movie was they had to get to the beefy parts. Yeah. You know, Voldemort, the Triwizard was a tournament, mm-hmm. Voldemort coming back and things of that sort because they didn't really have time to display a lot of the subplots like I've said in the past. They didn't have time to develop the Cho Harry thing. And you know there's something up because the way she sort of eyeballed him, gave him a flirtatious yeah. look, and then they bumped into each other. I'll go this way. No, you, me, you know, they're sort of mm-hmm. there in, on that scene where they're up on this, up in the castle. Yeah, stuff. I think that whole area of the book is another victim of the, uh, yeah, the conversion into yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. I, I don't Michael. see much happening with uh, Harry and Cho in the uh, fifth book. Or fifth movie, I should. Uh, yeah. Fifth movie. Yeah, yeah. That, that that could that probably could completely get cut. Yeah, they already bombed because it doesn't on really the fourth movie. So. Yeah, it's but cute. you know, that ain't coming back. Yeah. you know that they're gonna have the whole part with Harry and Cho in the room of requirement. You know that's gonna happen. The, that that's pro- that'll probably happen, but I don't know about the date they have. Yeah, and, that'll probably. And Hogsmeade, I don't think that's yeah. where you put it. But. I I definitely speaking of this whole Harry Potter romance stuff, I definitely want to see the the relationship between Harry and Ginny happen in in the movie six, and I think that they have to start sort of building yeah, that in movie five, where where Harry starts noticing her more, where she's no longer just a little girl. Yep. You think Steve Clovis is looking right ahead now to the Clovis? Clovis, whatever. Do you think? I well, first so. of all, first of wait, all, let me start he, that again. Do you think Steve, Steve Clovis, Clovis Steve is looking ahead to the future books? <laughs> for well, I think the problem is Andrew that you don't even know who's the screenwriter for the fifth yeah, movie. Yeah, I it's thought not he even left. Steve Clovis. It's Michael yeah. Goldenberg. It's who? And but Steve Clovis will return to write movie six. Uh, he, he he's already signed up for all that. He talked to Warner Brothers about it, so he's going to return to do the screenplay for the sixth movie. But the person doing it for the fifth movie is Michael Goldenberg. Ooh, sorry, I'm not up on my screenwriters. <laughs> Well, well, well the screenwriter is one of the most important parts. So, the fifth movie may be sort of an outlier, so to speak, in comparison to the others, because Steve Clovis may have, he may do the rest of the series, except movie five, and I'm anxious to see how it turns out without having the person who wrote the previous, the previous He might uh, try movies. to emulate his style, but it won't, it, it won't ever be happening. exactly just, just the to same. Maintain Right, just they want to maintain some um, iota of consistency throughout the films to the extent where it's not going to alienate the audience, where it's, oh my gosh, what did this guy do? Mm-hmm. You know, Because we, we sort of got used to Clovis' style, where we sort of know things that he, he's going to leave in the, the very important parts, he's going to leave in the key dialogue, and some of you may not be very pleased with him, but personally I think he's yeah, done a decent job. Yeah. But, but it's yeah. not just him who's making those decisions for the entire movie. Warner Brothers is telling them, okay, you have this much time, you have this much money, you know. Right, and and J.K. Rowling has to approve all of this. Yeah, well, they run it by I'm, her. I'm sure Joe's not going to let a... She's not going to let them massacre her work. No. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Too bad, too bad we don't know her thoughts on the movie yet. Yeah. We still haven't gotten any official word. Yeah. Joe, she, Joe. Although... Joe, email yeah. me. Joe, J.K. Rowling, email me, bennettstaff.moneylat.com. Right. Yeah. Tell me what's up. Right. Oh, and uh, sorry I didn't return your message the other day. I um, forgot oh, to give right. you a call back. I'll, I'll get back to you later this week. Okay, guys. <laughs> well, I think that we that pretty much sums up the voicemails. If you want to send in a voicemail, send it to voice at staff.moneylat.com. Also... I have no fear. The show is not over yet. The show is not well, over yet. Well, also a mention of the voicemails. 
if you have it in different audio formats, send it. I can convert. It's not a big deal. You this have been, just okay, asked for it, Kevin. Kevin's technical <laughs> note of the day. You're going to get like yes, yes, my 10 million note of the day. random voicemails that you're going to have Vortis. to convert. I have software that can open all of it. I'm here. Oh, Trust me. I it's very so legal. Backwards right compatible. One thing that uh, okay, we guys. haven't had the chance to do yet is ask Laura her thoughts on Goblet of Fire. Oh, yeah. What yes. were they, Laura? I came out overall. Uh, Great, Laura. Anyway. <laughs> I Overall, <laughs> I very much enjoyed the film. Um, I didn't think the pacing was as good as previous films, but it's really the only thing I faulted on. I especially loved the graveyard scene. I thought that was so intense and so well done, and Ray Fiennes is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Laura, I have a question yes. for you. Did you think Barty Crouch was good? <laughs> senior? <laughs> senior? Did. Yeah. Yeah, senior. I don't, of course, okay, I don't understand what everyone's problem with him was. I didn't think he was... Wait, wait, wait. Sound I like didn't, Laura did, I didn't, yeah. I didn't sound think like he was outstanding or anything, but I thought he was alright. Did you listen to episode 17, oh. Laura? No, I, I never listened to Mobilecast. Because... Uh, are you being sarcastic here? Yes, that that would yeah. be sarcasm. You you were oh. supposed to laugh and be like, ha, ha, Eric's a joke. <laughs> when Eric said, oh my gosh, Barty Crack Jr. is a good guy. <laughs> um, yeah, that that's that's something so, that we should talk about later. But um, no, I didn't think that that Barty that the guy who did who who played him. Um, I don't remember. Oh. Anyway, I don't think that Barty Crouch Sr. was bad at all, really. I thought that he was fine. And I think that that judging him on his his high-pitched voice is uh, a little stupid. Well, I, I don't think that it's so much the actor as just a representation. People were thrown off by it because you don't imagine Barty Crouch as someone who has a high-pitched voice, and it just threw people off, and that's why they're so critical. I thought he was good. Yeah, it must have turned people off, because you see him, and he's always yeah. got this scary look on his face. And Hey, quick question. Quick question. Goblet of Fire DVD, we found out uh, earlier this uh, last week, March 2006 reports one DVD site. Good marketing on Warner Brothers half? January. Ugh. Mm. Uh, yeah, five-ish months. It, well, for the first bad, two really movies, funny. they released them, what, April after? About five months later, yeah. yeah. I don't know, it just seems it's It's Harry that... Potter, people are going to buy it. Well, of yeah. course. Mm. That discussion went worse than I thought it would. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Andrew. <laughs> Way to start a discussion. <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of DVDs, did you see? Uh, not Speaking to of give DVDs, them an, <laughs> not, not, not to give them, not to give them an ad or anything, but uh, Target has the Harry Potter series at five eighty eight each. Ooh, really? Wow. Yes. Go out and when buy you go up to the register, yeah. say Muggle Cast, and you'll get an extra ten percent off any well, order. I can't. I can't guarantee <laughs> it. Someone sent it into me, so. Yeah, you know. because all of our Confirm listeners don't us. own well, Harry Potter anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just no desperate kidding. to get rid of it. We'll send them. Hey, if you have a bad DVD. Well, before we close up the show, we have to get 
to our usual segments that we do each week. Last week I announced the first annual Ben's Top Ten list, and we have a doozy for you this week. This is a stellar top ten list. Just let me pull it up quickly. This is, ah, uh, that's amazing. The top ten reasons why you know you're a Ben Shane oh, fan. Oh, brother. Uh, oh, number ben, 10. did you write those? You renamed your... F <laughs> no, I didn't. Someone sent it in, actually. <laughs> number 10, you've renamed your favorite teddy bear Ben. Number 9, you feel like clubbing Andrew over the head every time he tells Ben to <laughs> shut up. I agree. <laughs> you've added Ben to your AIM and Skype account, hoping you'll have a chance to chat with him. Number 7, you've laminated Ben's autograph and put it in a huge frame and hung it up atop on top of your bed. <laughs> Number six, you have a Ben Shane screensaver in your laptop. Number five, you visit BenShane.com at least once a day. By the way, that's a very good idea. Visit BenShane.com. Okay. Number four, you were saving money to go on a shopping spree to NYC with your friends, but you decided to go to Kansas instead. Number three, you've developed a sudden hatred for Emma Watson. <laughs> that's my favorite right there. I love you, Emma. Number two, you just visited BenShane.com again while writing this. <laughs> and number one, you asked Ben to sign one of the body parts I can't mention right now, and now you have it tattooed. Ben Shane's top ten list, everybody. Woo! Okay. <laughs> okay. Planet Sparks time. So now that we're thoroughly yeah. bored. Two people were entertained okay. by that list. Yeah, if, uh... Oh, whatever. Oh. That was a funny list. You that know, was a funny list. Blah, blah. You guys are... You, so you guys, you guys know, are misled. That's all I have to say. Mm. How? Ben? How misled, misled by Ben. <laughs> Uh, oh, guys, I am totally a hottie. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> Actually, I heard Emma Watson's a big Ben Shane I'm sure fan. she is. Okay. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I saw you try to talk to her at the premiere. <laughs> try. And get jumped by her bodyguards. Yeah, they shot Oh, whatever. Yeah. Okay, well, it's, it's really time for Spy on Sparts. And this is a doozy this week. This one's yes. way too uh, long. A very good spy on Sparts. Uh, okay, I'll read to you Emerson's away message. I've been invited as a guest on the Mike Peterson Show, which is a late-night talk show that's apparently sort of like Conan. It's being filmed in, a, in front of a live audience at 10 at Legends. They're expecting more than 150 people. You should go. Well, by the time you hear this, it'll be too late. But congrats, Emerson, making his first television appearance that on a talk show. Woo, go Emerson! Yeah. Yeah, and uh, from um, what I know, that show is only on Notre Dame TV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Notre Dame TV. So uh, if you want to watch it, move to Notre Dame. Um, really? Hopefully, which is another. Oh, bad you know idea. what? We we should have found one of his uh, fans from Notre Dame to record it for us. Get it online. Oh yeah, yeah that would have been good. We should have. <laughs> Oh, and but by the way, people, by the way, I know we just did, I, I'm sort of jumping around here, but next week I'd like to do a top ten list not related to me and not related to MuggleCast, so please send in a top ten list related to something else related to Harry Potter, and that would be great. Okay, now it's time for Andrew's Listener Challenge. Has he thought of one yet? I have my own Listener Challenge, which is to get the Listener Challenges done up online. Um, jeez, I don't, I don't have a listener challenge this week. I have a good, I have a good idea for a listener what? challenge. Send in, send in your own jingle. That's, that's an intro to Andrew's listener challenge. Oh, that's a good idea. Send the challenge is staff. In fact, no, 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 no listen. Some, some, some stop, very stop, nice stop. music. <laughs> Not only just Andrew's listener challenge, but make little intros for all of them. Spy on Sparts, 
Ben's uh, top ten list of the week, Jamie's British joke of the day, Andrew's listener challenge. Make a little intro. Make like little songs. Like ten. Hey, my seconds. news too, or Sue's news. Might. No. Sue's Micah. <laughs> Micah, we give you an intro every week. Isn't that good? That's you true. have yeah, background you music during your thing. That's true. Our back you have your own Micah, theme song. Micah, do we really song. have to? Micah. You have to downgrade your status from human to an elf, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> you better watch it, Micah. Uh, he has his own theme okay. song. I mean... Does he? Could he ask anymore? Okay. Well, <laughs> just let it be known that Micah's been on Pottercast more times than any of us have. We've been on Zero. He's been on... Yeah. Twice now, right, Micah? They like yep, him better twice. than us. He's, he's our, tr he's our all-star... All no, it's actually Melissa everybody. likes him better than us. Well, you know, they have a thing going on now. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's don't start the the, the Ooh, Micah. Oh, I forgot. Sense. The man and, and we're we're premiering a new segment this week. It's called the Las Vegas Minute. And every week Yay. we're gonna talk about Las yes. Vegas for exactly one minute. So that way we're gonna have okay, Andrew. like thirty minutes of Las Vegas talk. I I love this new segment. Okay, ready? Okay. The minute starts <laughs> now. Okay, everybody, to so Las Vegas. It's gonna. I can't rock. wait. Like. What, I'm actually going to this one. Yeah, Laura's coming. Did, yeah. Um, yep. Who else is I coming? I think we're uh, all coming, aren't Mike we? Mike is coming. Yeah, we're all going to be there. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. Emerson. Yeah. Emerson. Yeah, it's, yep. it's like okay. seven yeah, months no away. No one cares about Emerson. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> we've been getting a lot of emails about um, how people have uh, already signed up to go just because of us. <sighs> so, Lumos 2006 Sweet. owes us big time. Uh, Yes, they no, do. No, they don't. No, yes, they, they do. do. They're 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 us no, <laughs> the facility to host live podcasts. They don't owe us anything. That's true. It's, it's, it's a joint relationship that we have going. But anyways, <laughs> Las Vegas, you be there. Every anybody who's anybody is gonna be there. Anybody right? who's Come anybody on. in the West Coast. Oh, you know Haya from New York City. Even she's gonna be there. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. Well. She she T minus she, five. She, she already bought her tickets and stuff. I'm really Four. excited. We can't wait. It's Las Vegas. It's July 29th to the 31st. So be there. Be there. Oh, <laughs> that wraps up the Las Vegas minute for this week, everybody. That was fun. Well, yes, it was. I can't wait for next. Thanks week's to minute. everyone, everyone, everyone for listening to the show. It was very enjoyable. I think this week's was this episode is pretty good. Well, if you have any questions and suggestions, visit MuggleCast.com or MuggleNet.com slash MuggleCast. You can subscribe to our feed on iTunes. You can view information on how to contact us. And we're actually going to post our, um, our demographic information for you guys to look at. And that, that'll be cool so you guys know what your fellow Potterites who are listening to the show. And so I think that concludes this episode of MuggleCast episode 18 we're getting up there Andrew I know we're episode 20 yes, episode 20 through. we're gonna have a um actually we have no Another plans party. but um <laughs> and we decided we ain't taking no breaks we're going straight through we're gonna have a show on Christmas we're gonna have a show on New Year's Day it's gonna be a ton of fun it should mm -hmm. be fun yeah definitely for okay, Christmas guys. me and Ben are gonna well, sing you too oh we're you. going to <laughs> okay. So, so I'd recommend most of you skip yeah. that episode unless you it want your ears blown out by crazy YouTube fans. Yeah. American Idol is gonna call us, and they're gonna want something. <laughs> okay. Well, that wraps her up. I'm Ben Shane. I'm um. Oh no, no, you oh, yeah, do it Andrew the right Sims. way. I'm Kevin Stuck. I'm Laura Thompson. And I'm Micah Tannenbaum. 
Good night, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Andrew, bye. say bye. No. Say bye, Andrew. No. <laughs> <laughs> good night, everyone. Uh, or good afternoon. Or good morning, maybe listen to this. Good afternoon. Okay. <laughs>